Hello and welcome to Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive for Behavioral Health for Providence in Oregon and Chief Clinical Officer for Work to Be Well. Today's episode will address the important subject of school safety, and joining me for this discussion are three members of Work to Be Well's National Student Advisory Council. As a reminder, the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. It's not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Let's get started by having each of you introduce yourself, where you're from, and why is this topic important to you? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and this topic is important to me as it's unfortunately um, been a more common topic that people are talking about, which I think that shouldn't be the case. And uh, I'm really passionate about advocating for school safety and against gun violence in schools. Hi, my name is Araldo Gutierrez, and I'm from California and a current senior in high school. Um, this topic is sadly close to my heart, and I decided to come on here and speak a little bit about what I've been told in my experiences. Hey guys, my name is Leanna Smith. Um, I'm from uh, outside Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm a senior, and the reason this topic is important to me is because it's uh, something I've thought about um, uh, since I began school, because when I was in kindergarten, uh, that's when Sandy Hook happened. So it's been around forever. You know, I'm sad to say that I remember um, what often is referred to as the the very first school shooting uh, happened in Thurston at Thurston High School in Eugene, Oregon. And at that time, I was working as an alcohol drug counselor in a treatment facility with people, young people about your age. And we heard about this and I and it was so unheard of. It was so unique. It was not something that was common. And I think now so many years later, this has become a whole different issue. What are your thoughts on safety in schools today? And, and do you feel safe going to school? Um, I can speak a little bit on this. So uh, this past year, um, my school did have a school shooting threat. Um, and it got to the point where we only had 25% attendance that day. Um, and so I didn't including me, I didn't go to school, but my brother did choose to go to school that day. And somebody had decided to be funny and pull the fire alarm. Um, from that, if that were, if the fire alarm were to be real, um, the way that my school handled it, I would have not felt safe. Um, our, we have two SROs at our school and, um, there were kids just running all around the school because they were scared. If there were a real um, shooter inside the school, it just would not have been safe. Um, so the precautions, even knowing that there might have been a school shooting that day, um, they were not prepared. And I, nobody's prepared, honestly. I give them I give them grace for it because nobody needs to go through it. But um, we definitely aren't. I don't feel safe uh, personally. Kind of adding on to that, it's a sad reality, but also like a logical fear to have. Um, you know, when you talk to your peers or even just yourself, it's almost like second nature where you think of a way like during class, it crosses your mind. It has I haven't talked to one singular student 
who hasn't, this topic hasn't crossed their mind of, if this situation were to occur right now, do I have a way out? How would I defend myself? It's, it's ingrained in our head as a logical fear, how to protect ourselves. Um, it's for our own personal safety. It's nothing personal. It's, it's just a really sad reality that we have to think about as alumni. Yeah, I, adding on to what Aralda said, um, how like everyone has thought about this topic. Everyone's like imagined a scenario in their head where they're in danger, what they're going to do, how they're going to get out. And that's honestly very scary that children, um, elementary school, middle school children have had to think about, including us high schoolers as well. The fact that that's part of our everyday uh, lives and that's like almost a risk we're taking to go to school every day at the risk of experiencing a, uh, a school shooting just demonstrates how commonplace this issue has become and how dangerous it is. You know, we had talked about um, this issue a couple of years ago in one of our original Work To Be Well, Talk To Be Well podcasts. And one of the people who was on the podcast shared a story from when they were in middle school about a school shooter drill. And what I'm wondering, you know, do any of you go to schools where at any time, have you had to do school shooter drills? The one that he described was really horrifying. I mean, really horrifying. And uh, at the risk of not doing his story justice, uh, basically, he was in middle school. And as part of the school shooter drill, uh, the teacher in that case asked everybody to get some type of weapon to protect themselves. And he had grabbed a stapler. And somebody else had grabbed some other, you know, whatever. And and it was really kind of funny because whatever it was that they grabbed was was probably going to be insignificant, as would a stapler be against a, a school shooter. And uh, his friend giggled. And the teacher walked up to the friend and went, bang, you're dead. Horrifyingly traumatizing. But I imagine that things like this are happening in school shooter drills. Have any of you been in school shooter drills and do you think they're effective? Um, I feel like school shooter drills today are just a normality of going to school in America. Um, I, I don't know any school, at least within a hundred mile radius of my house that doesn't do school shooter drills. Um, I mean, they still do it. My little sister is in fourth grade. They still do it at um, her elementary school. Um, I I don't think they're going away until we do something. Um, so it's just, it's pretty normal. And it's crazy because when I talk to people that are older that didn't have to go through this, it's just eye-opening that they ask me like, oh, you guys have to go through this. And I'm like, yeah, like I remember like having to hide my twinkle toes because they would light up and that would be a safety hazard. And so during the, the drill, I would like have to like take off my shoes and hide them away so that I couldn't like make any like flashes or anything, even though I love my twinkle toes. Um, but that was just a normal thing as a first grader kindergartner. Yeah, I think to add on to that, um the problem that I have or I face is that we're faced with these scenarios as we're in class. We don't ever get the drills when we're in passing period or lunch. And I don't know if it's just my school, but our doors are, mo I would say a good 80% of them are locked during lunch. So God forbid something happens, 
there's very few classrooms that people would flock to. They'd be running everywhere. They'd be screaming. It would just be chaos. And schools don't actually think about that when that's when we're most at risk, we're most exposed. And I think that should be taken into consideration. And I was watching this uh, school safety video because it was relevant, um, just because I had this fear going on. And I decided to watch this video and it was this TikToker talking about how you it's not just hide and seek. You have to defend yourself. You have to take something and defend yourself because the, when they get in, there's nothing much you can do than just fight back. Um, so I think school should be more prepared in different scenarios. Yeah, in most cases in trainings, they tell you to hide in the corner, um, cover up, try not to be quiet. But um in every real scenario, you're all of that's going to go out of the window. Kids are going to evidently scream, inevitably scream, um, shout, run. It's going to be chaos. Uh, people are going to get knocked knocked down. It's going to be a very chaotic and stressful environment, and we don't really train for that. And also, how Arelda brought up how we are trained to like hide, not really fight back, because um, in a scenario, hiding isn't going to do you much good. Um, they say like hide, run, and then fight as a last resort in trainings. Um, but if you're down to that last resort, it might be your only option. Yeah. I think my school example from this past May is pretty evident to what would happen. Um, the fire alarm was pulled during passing period and my brother was in the hallways. Uh, he remembers it so vividly because he was terrified. Um, so he was just walking the halls with his friends, going back to class. Um, and the hallway doors, um, they, it's a course of magnets, so it connects to the hallways. And then once the fire alarm is pulled, the magnets disconnect and they close. So my brother and his friend were locked from getting into any of the classrooms. Uh, they were frantically running in, uh, in the commons, uh, trying to get out of the school. Um, and they remember some kids just ran home. Like they heard the fire, they heard the fire alarm and they just booked it out of the school. Um, I had one friend that was, um, it was, they were early to class and, uh, there was about 12 kids in the classroom. They heard the fire alarm and the first thing they did, uh, was close the door. They literally piled desks. This was happening. It wasn't even a real shooting, but it's just crazy as what what my, how my school would react. They had top desks in front of the, um, the door, uh, kids were grabbing weapons and they were ready like for anything. And of course they had found out they, that it was a drill, not a drill. A, it wasn't real. And they locked the teacher out of the door and everything. But, um, so they were there for a while, uh, for like 30 minutes, the teacher trying to get in and everything. And they were all terrified because they thought it was a shooter. Um, but it was just the teacher. Um, so yeah, I just think that was a really an example of how even during passing period, my, how my school might've reacted. I've actually had a very similar story that I've been told. I wasn't present at the school when this happened, but in California, we have open campuses, so it's outside. Um, so what happens is these kids, there was a drill or there was a, I think it was the same situation where it was like a fire fire alarm pulled. Um, students decided to run out onto the baseball field because it's an open campus. You can just book it to like the PE center and they just left school. And there were so many kids unaccounted for that police forces just didn't know what to do. They're like, well, we don't know where they are. How do we contact them? So 
I think there should be more planning because this is a real reality. There's been several occasions where this has happened. And unfortunately, a lot of students have passed away. I just think there should be more legislation and planning towards this. You know, that's a really great, great point about legislation and planning when we think about that. Um, because all the scenarios that you all are describing, I'm getting anxious just listening to them, right? And, you know, I grew up in an era where, yeah, we had earthquake drills and things like that, but we never had school shooter drills. This is not something that that was something that we had. I can't imagine what this does to your fear level going into school. How do you cope with, you know, do you, how do you cope with that anxiety and fear about this issue at school? Um, well, I just, I know for us, when there's a loud sound in the hall and you can hear it through the classrooms, everyone goes silent. And this has happened on multiple occasions where the teacher has to step out of the classroom, check, locks the door just in case, and we wait five minutes just to make sure nothing's happened. Um, but it's it's a real reality. And um, kind of speaking on the event that I had mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't personally to me, but I was talking to this boy <laughs> um, and he went to Saga's High School. So I don't know if you guys are familiar, but there was a school shooting at Saga's High School in California. And I remember being so frantically scared for him and texting him out of worry because we had gotten really close to that point. And I was kind of put in the parent's shoes where, like, they're not doing enough. And it utterly, like, there was so much terror in my heart and the anxiety levels were out of the roof. I just, I can't explain that fear. It might even be worse if you like know someone from like other schools, if you have siblings at uh, younger schools, because it's out of your control. Uh, you can't really do anything. You have no idea what's happening there. Um, not saying that if it happens at your school, it's not, it's, it's just like very frightening too as well. But it's, I think it's worse to know that something's happening. It's out of your control. It's someone you really care about. Um, and that's the present day reality you have to live in, unfortunately, is that this, it, it could happen. Um, and it's becoming more likely to happen because it's happening so often. And we're seeing the same thing on a political and legislation level. Uh, they're saying they will do something to combat this, but no real action is occurring. I don't really know if I actually have a coping mechanism for this. It's just, I think it's it's a constant, it's a constant fear. Um, because, I mean, there's nothing really you can do while you're in class. You can't like, there's no coping mechanism to when it's like a mental thought. I mean, if I'm having like an anxiety attack, I can like actually physically do something, but I don't know. I've never, I've usually just like dealt with it and I've just taken deep breaths and like try to think of other things, but I don't know. It's just really hard. It's yeah. Do you have anything? I think just commenting on what you're saying is like perfectly put. You don't really think twice about it. It's just a reality you accept when you go to school because it's been so ingrained for you for so long. And I remember in elementary in elementary school thinking this this would never happen to me. But as time goes on, you see it happen more and more often to the point where like Texas is already distributing DNA tests to parents in case of another emergency after Uvalde. And this is mind-blowing these are children that we're talking about it's i mean for so long we've been scared of this that it's just kind of a you know it's a consequence but 
you don't really think twice about it. You know, you bring up a really good point um, in looking at the the profile of the people who do this. And they always say, you know, when you when you listen to people afterwards, everybody says, well, I always wondered about that person or I had suspicions about that person. And inevitably somebody knew or somebody had suspicions or somebody had posted something that someone had seen online. Do you and your peers ever talk about this and and think about, you know, how, how do you ever profile people? Do you ever think, gosh, I'm worried about this person? And if you do, what's the mechanism to deal with it? Um, that's how I, the whole school shooting threat actually started. Um, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend had heard something. And of those like seven connections, one person said something uh, to a school resource officer and then people started so uh started sharing with more friends and more friends and then it got to my school ASB and I'm on ASB and then it blew up from there to the point uh like I said of like like only 25 per school um so i think we kind of i says this person um we know that we know they have access to guns so that made us like even more fearful because they do post it on their social media. Um, and so that was what I think made us more fearful and how we kind of had a feeling. I think it's a really difficult um, and sad conversation to try and have with your parents trying to profile others because uh, we don't really want to judge others, uh, especially not in front of your parents. Um, but if there is a case when you do suspect someone, uh, I think it is important to try and uh, admit to your parents and see like what next steps are, uh, because at, at the end of the day, it could end up like being uh, protection for you. It could be life-saving for countless others, and it could get that person help before they do an action that they could live to regret. Um, it's, you know, there's usually a stereotype of it being the quiet and reserved kid that usually gets bullied, but realistically speaking, it could be anyone. It could be an adult. For all we know, it the the profile ranges dramatically. Um, I just think it's extreme emotions that are like unchecked and they kind of act out on it and blindside them of the consequences or kind kind of feeling like numb or like invincible. Which, when you have so much emotion built into you, you don't really think about what happens after. You're only focused on releasing that, and I think that's what ultimately leads to these situations. You know, it's interesting because the profiles out there often will point at people with mental illness, which adds to the stigma of people with mental health conditions. How do you, what do you say to people? You know, you all are mental health activists. What do you say to people when people link mental illness and violence in such a way? Because the reality is that's not generally the case. But how do you all deal with that with your friends? <laughs> it's a tough question. I mean, you know, I know a lot of times I have a friend at, at uh, NAMI, Oregon, who always reminds people that folks who live with mental illness are much more likely to be victims of violence than they are to be perpetrators of violence. And the connection between school shooters and mental illness really isn't there. But as a society, we still speculate about it. And people make those those assumptions. Um what do you think about, you know, how do you approach that as mental health activists? I think if it's important for people to realize first that 
the connection that does arise that people think arises um, is when the shooters are in court and lawyers try and argue that they had a mental illness after the fact, even though there may not have been any known um, previous symptoms of mental health or them seeming to struggle with mental health. They try and do it uh, as a technique to win a case um, to try and reduce punishment uh, in the court of law. But even if there was um, mental health, uh, I'd say they were probably pushed far beyond their limit. Uh, people realized, uh, people saw that they were struggling. They didn't reach out to help them. Um, they weren't offered resources. So I'd say if you do see others who seem to be struggling with mental health, ensure that they are okay. They, uh, You reach out to them, see if they need any help, see if they're struggling, see if they just want to talk um, so that they aren't pushed over the edge to make harmful decisions to themselves or to others. I think Muhammad put it perfectly, honestly. Um, the only other reason that I would think that people would connect the two is usually when you're struggling with mental health, you're typically more reserved and quiet and you're kind of in your zone and like thinking internally, um, which could make people lead to that assumption, but it's not connected. This one is just hard for me to think about as someone that's been exposed to a lot of mental disorders, including my, like, with, in dealing with mental disorders myself. Um, I, like, as someone with anxiety, depression, ADHD, I can't, I can't imagine anybody else with the same things doing, doing what school shooters do. And then having a father with, um, PTSD and, um, like regular um like pds uh what do you call it like episodes mm -hmm. i can't even imagine him doing those things or like another person with pdsd doing those things and so it's just that's why that's why it's just hard for me to think about i think because um the people i'm close with even with even though they have a mental disorder it's it's unfathomable i yeah so I want to take us in a little bit different direction. You all have mentioned at different times, laws, legislation, public policy. Uh, I'm going to give you a magic wand so that you can make whatever law it is that you want. What laws do you think would help make your school safer? Anybody been thinking about anything that you might propose to a legislator? I actually, when I heard about the Texas distribution of the DNA kits where you spit in them, why not repurpose that money? to prevent school shootings like uh, bulletproof doors or actually like setting up drills specifically for dis different scenarios because then it would lead to more education and with more knowledge you can help prevent those situations. That's just personally what I think that would really benefit. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see what other people have to say. I think from a rational point of view, it's going to be really difficult to eliminate uh, gun, gun control or just reduce it. It's just, it's just uh, the reality is going to be really difficult to reduce it. Not saying I agree with that, but on the other hand, you can ensure that every school in the country has a school resource officer, a police officer, or someone, an official with a weapon of protection, uh, a weapon to protect themselves too. So if there's arguing that homeowners should be able to protect themselves, someone in a school should be able to have something that to protect themselves as well. Let's see. 
Dr. Robin did say magic. So I'm thinking this is also a magical world where things <laughs> could go well. That's, um, true. That's true. So in a magical world um, with a magical wand of mind, I would uh, improve like background checks and, um, uh, and improve gun control as well. Um, and, because as someone that's gone through the legislative process uh, with another bill, I know the difficulties of where a state's priorities are. Um, if you were to bring this up to um, the Senate, they'd be like, well, it's not going to happen here. We have other things to worry about. Um, so that's why <laughs> So that's why I say a perfect world. Um, and then when you guys were talking about um, ways that we make and change in school, I'm just wondering, is that... I feel like the first thing we need to do is prevent the source. Um, because like with, like, for example, with climate activism, um, I use that as an example for comparison. Um, you could either, uh, change your habits or you can pick up trash. One is already, you do the bad habits and you, uh, deal with the deficits of it, or you could stop it where it's coming from. And so, um, I think that's the where we should start, which is where the re- the source of the school shootings. Um, yeah. Well, so thinking of legislation, what kinds of things would it help to have mental health screenings in schools? Would it help to have more school counselors so that people could have more access to someone to talk to? Um, another question that comes into my mind a lot of connections have been made between school shooters and bullying, histories of bullying. Um, what do you think about anti-bullying programs and, and more education around those things to maybe get to, Leanna, what you were talking about a little bit more upstream? Are those things that would help make your school safer? Or what do you think would bring a safe environment to your school? I think all those engage, uh, those programs and ideas are great, but there needs to be more uh, engagement or activation as our team does that goes out and makes sure that the resources they're putting out are working and that they're being utilized well. You can't just have an anti-bullying program that says, oh, bullying is bad. High school, they're high schooler teens they, or middle schoolers. They don't really care about what you have to say. If you tell them not to do something, they're going to want to do it even more. So maybe having like uh, school groups that, uh, uh, clubs that, uh, promote uh, inclusion, uh, diversity, and ensure that people aren't bullied. Um, and if they see that, they take it with a, a with a counselor or uh, teachers. Just programs and clubs and initiatives to work, um, even with mental health resources, promoting them more, making sure that students are aware of all the mental health resources there are in a school. So many times I've seen schools have so many mental health resources. It's just that the students don't know about them, aren't aware of them, and don't utilize them. So there needs to be more awareness. Um, kind of going back to the bullying topic, I've seen less um, of like an in-person bullying and it's been a surge of online bullying, which is, you know, that that's huge because it's not just at school anymore. It's in your home. It's in the comfort of your bed. It's constant. It's constantly in front of you. Um, I've actually worked to get a school psychologist on campus because there are school psychologists locally at other schools, but they always refute with, well, we don't have the funding. And I understand that. But when they're buying the whole football team, like a whole like new team of like jerseys, I'm like, 
this could be used to fight a real issue here. Um, and counselors simply don't have the time. They're fixing and changing schedules and they don't get to have that personal connection with students as they would as much as they would like to. They just they don't have enough time in the day or school hours to do that. Um, so I think funding for mental health within schools as a resource would be amazing with that magical wand. If I had it, I would use it. I like that. Also, um, when if we if mental health is going to be this like a part of the solution, um, you don't just invite the people to come help. You should shove it in their face. Um, <laughs> what I love about my school is that um, with the events we put on, we really like you are going to be a part of this. So we had um, this isn't a mental health thing, but we had a uh, a Tualatin around the world event. And during lunch, they we instead of playing like rap music, we played uh, cultural music from different uh, countries and um, backgrounds. And so it's like you are going to listen to this music. You can't put it in your headphones or anything. You're going to listen to it. Um, and um, or like during someone's advisory class, we you will be listening to this um, like lesson. And we held the teachers accountable for who didn't. Um, so. I know I'm lucky to have a really nice admin who's able to push these things. Other schools don't have that, but um, if we, I'm planning on doing some stuff with mental health this year as well to get like a work to be well um, lesson put out during our advisory periods. Um, but yeah, shoving it in their faces, uh, whether they like it or not, I feel like is one way to start. Kind of adding on to what Liana is saying really quickly, um, I used to work with this initiative also by Providence Hospital called Help is Here, which is specifically in the high desert. Unfortunately, I was we had to shut down because we didn't have enough support from the hospital or funding, but I was their youth consultant. And what we focused on actually was just that. It was marketing for and by youth specifically. So we would take these mental health marketing ads and distribute them because sure the counselors have the information they have the resources but the way that they're putting it out is so stigmatized and almost like ridiculing to the students that they don't feel like they can actually take those so what we focused on was changing that that stigma around it and providing the students directly with those resources instead of having to go climb up the ladder tell all these people hey I have this and it just be confidential you know, it sounds like that's the next place work to be well needs to jump into is perhaps doing some activation uh, around this issue of, of school shootings and how we can raise awareness for students so that students can be safe. This has been a pretty difficult topic to talk about today. And I want to encourage you, if you've been listening and this has been difficult, to take a little time and do some self-care. Uh, you know, take a break, go outside, get some fresh air. And remember that that for the most part, this is an issue that is very rare. It does not happen very often. It is very scary. And talking about it helps. Talking about it with your teachers, talking about it with your classrooms, taking some of the ideas that our students here today have shared, especially around thinking about what is your personal plan of action if something happens during a passing period? Those are ways that you can help yourself be safe. Those are ways that you can help your friends be safe. But think about it, talk about it, have a plan and know what you're going to do. I want to thank you all for joining me on Talk To Be Well and helping to continue much needed dialogue about school safety. 
If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check us out at worktobewell.org. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and this has been Talk to Be Well. Be well, everybody.